Hey, Casey, how are you? Great, Don. How are you? Thanks good, for having good. me again. I, I was walking over to the conference room here to do this podcast, went by the fax machine. We still have a fax machine. Uh, we had a discussion about that at one of our management meetings recently, and I pulled up the paper, and I thought, oh, my God, man. They wanted to buy all of our company's trucks. Whoever sent this out, man, you know, and I, and I was thinking that, I thought we only got junk mail through emails, but I forgot that in the facts a long time ago, we used to get a lot of advertisements and stuff like that. Is there ever going to be a day when we don't have facts? Um, well, a lot of people are using e-facts now, so we'll see. I, I hope so. I hope and I pray. I, I hate facts. Emails are easy to get rid of. Facts, you know, accumulate paper and, you know, you never know, you know, what's on it. So, okay. So we are going to talk about today a child sport case. And I love to talk about child support because in a lot of our clients' uh, cases, they have to deal with pretty serious issues. And I think that in family court, outside of maybe child custody, child support is is one of the big issues, most important issues, and public policy would, would back that. So the case is called Brubaker v. Strum. And I will say that these parties had an appellate court decision uh, about a year or two ago. I have to go back and see what that was all about. I forgot what it was, but these people are litigious, or somebody's litigious in here. So can you uh, tell us what this case is all about? Interesting. Okay, yes. Yeah. So this is a child support case, and it is local Los Angeles County, or one of our local judges, and also... Did you recognize the litigants, or the, the attorneys? I recognized yeah. the firm, yeah. um, the attorneys that appealed um, on both sides. Yeah. So all local people so this is again it's a child support case and there are areas that get a little bit complicated but we want to keep it high level we want to keep it interesting and i'll just say that we're going to refer to the parties as mother and father and there's a lot of discussion about the obligeur and the obligee but for purposes of this discussion the obligeur is the payor of support and the obligee is going to be the recipient of support. You were like me in law school. I hated that, man. Trying to figure out who was who with the ors and the es. Exactly. Okay. So I have a little okay. bit of a key here. But, okay. But um, high level, this case really is about child support obligation. And specifically, when there's a wage garnishment in place and the liability of the employer. So the general scenario is let's assume that mother has a child support order and she is going to receive the payments by way of a wage garnishment so mother is going to serve a wage garnishment on father's employer father's employer is now required by law to take the money out of the paycheck and then send it to mother um, and then there's in bold caps language and, and a, a basically a warning to the employer that they are required to do this and if they don't they are they're liable and there's a family code that supports that and the family code says hey employer you better you better do this or else you're going to be liable for the amount and liable for interest on the amount so that's general generally where we're going with this case but specifically as to just the facts here we have parties that are now divorced and um, excuse me, father works for, at this time, several several employers along the way, but could, initially could, it's could Comcast. Yeah, so he, that's key is several employers along the way. So he's basically uh, playing a cat and mouse game, or at least I'm going to infer that. I'm not sure. I don't know these parties, but you and I see cases where people don't want to pay support 
And so to avoid the wage garnishment, they, as soon as there's a wage garnishment, they quit and they go somewhere else, right? And I suspect that might have happened here because we're talking about three or four different employers, right? Right. So husband is, or father's working for Comcast. There's a wage garnishment in place. And in a matter of a year or two, he leaves multiple jobs. He has three or four different jobs. And it looks like mother is chasing him and re you know, reserving new age garnishments along the way. And there are gaps where mother is not receiving any payment at all. And there are gaps where mother's receiving direct payments from the father. So fast forward, a motion is filed and mother says, Your Honor, I need to determine arrears, which is the, the you know, the term of art for we need a judicial determination of how much I am owed in child support because I haven't been paid. So that's that's the setup for kind of where we are, and then it gets into the issues. Okay, so let's slow it down a little bit with respect to what happens, be, you know, before she files the motion. So uh, we know that this is one of those cases where uh, he's either intentionally or not intentionally avoiding paying some of his support because he keeps changing jobs and the wage garnishments are not necessarily catching up with what we call arrearages support that's owed right and uh, at a certain point uh, she she files it on the last place that he's employed at and then what happens there she that, that employer doesn't pay right right so that's yeah you're right that's the final fact that leads into so that final employer um, withholds the money on the paycheck but right. doesn't release it now can we stop there for a second? I think that there's some cases that I've had, and I don't know about you, but where the father, usually it's the father, 99% of the time in the cases that I've had, where he's got a close relationship with the employer. It could be, you know, a friend or an uncle or something like that, and it's a wink-wink, you know what, uh, my hands are off of it, right? So, you know, you, you could comply with this or not. And he's basically saying, uh, I'm complying with the law now. The employer might not, not knowing that there's the warnings that you've already talked about for the employer, right? So there's collusion sometimes, and I've seen that before. You know, an uncle that owns the business or something like that. I don't know if there was collusion in this case, but for some reason, the employer is not releasing the money to mom, even though he's taking it from the paycheck. Right. So the the employer, there's a period of time where the employer is taking the money and like you said don has not been has not released it so a motion is filed to determine arrears and the defense of father is well i don't owe you any arrears because here's the proof that my employer withheld it from my paycheck therefore your your motion well the the legal issue if we want to get there was hey is you know is my motion to determine arrears a valid motion under this code which we'll get into the code um and also is my is my employer liable for the child support or am I liable for the child support? Right. So the case kind of get, gets into the liability associated right. with this garnishment. And, and before uh, they filed that responsive declaration, father lawyers up and there's a big cease and desist warning with the finger going across the table and saying what? You better dismiss this, this motion here because guess what? I'm going to be asking for sanctions. You proceed with this. And why, what's his basis for that? Why does he say that? Let's get into that. Uh, Family Code 5241 says that an employer has to, you know, withhold the support, and if not, they have to pay it with interest. 
So it's really making sure that the employers are enforcing it. But then subsection B says that if the employer withholds the money, then the person that's responsible for paying the support, the payor, or in this case, the father, that the father cannot be held in contempt or criminally prosecuted for not paying the support. So to give a hypothetical, um, let's say a, a father is owes $10,000 in child support and then the district attorney files a case against the father, the father has a valid defense to say, here's proof that the money was taken from my employer. My paycheck so, shows it. Paycheck I, I shows did everything I'm supposed to do. So now, so now fast forward, the issue in the case is essentially interpretation of Family Code 5241. Um, how far does this go? How far is this, I guess, uh, absolve him of his liabilities, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so does 5241 mean that a, does it preclude uh, an individual from requesting a motion to determine arrears? Question mark. Or does it just say what it says it does, and that is pre, uh, uh, protect someone from criminal prosecution or from contempt of court? Right. So that so, was the issue in this case. So, so father's attorney is feeling pretty confident. He, he sends. Uh, I don't know if it's a cease and desist letter, uh, kind of like that, uh, but it's basically, look, I've got you. You know, mm -hmm. you filed this thing, and under 271, I'm going to ask the court to penalize your client. And you. And you under 128 of the Civil Code of Procedure right. because you know better. And right. guess what? Under the law, attorneys could get sanctioned, too, for uh, filing frivolous uh, motions that are meant to uh, delay in, in bad tactics and all that other stuff. So they're going for for the for the throat here they're trying to scare the mother's attorney away from this thing saying you know what he's done everything he can he's not a bad guy you're over litigating the case you should be going against the employer the employer is the one that was supposed to release the money all of your remedies are there dismiss the case or i'm going to go after you right so the defense is saying go after the employer go talk to them go knock on their door and meanwhile we have the recipient of support the mother who has not received the money, number one. Number two, she's now paying attorney fees to litigate this issue. So then it then it goes to the trial court. So if you want to jump in and talk about what happened in the trial court, or I can jump yeah, in go there ahead. as well. Go ahead. So then they get to the trial court, and the judge agrees with the defense and repeats multiple times and is quoted as saying, well, you need to go after the employer. You know, it's it's there. You need to go after them. The burden is on them. Go after the employer, as if to say that father has now washed his hands of the problem, and also the lower court. The lower court is using this code, Family Code 5241, to say, "Hey, um, mother, you can't file this motion to determine arrears, because father is protected by this motion. So I'm I'm going to essentially deny your motion." Um, and also, this is frivolous because you, you didn't interpret the law correctly. This is frivolous, so attorney, Mr. Attorney, I'm also going to sanction you. So the judge in the lower court, and we can get into kind of more of the analysis, repeated that it was um, essentially go after the employer and, and, and father has washed his hands of the issue. So the court does actually uh, fine or penalize both mother and her attorney and uh, the mother's not happy is she $9,329 in sanctions against the attorney under CCP section 128.5 
and then uh, for the mother, I'm not sure what that sanction was, but that's a, that's a hefty uh, sanction. Not only uh, does it hurt the pocketbook, but doesn't that attorney now have to report that to the state bar because it's over $1,000? Right. So this judge just socked it to this attorney who was, lit, who was uh, advocating you know, uh, for, for the mother. Right, uh, absolutely, and that's why I think that these attorneys were interested in appealing this decision. And before we get to the Court of Appeal in that discussion, the lower court, the trial court, reasoned, it said that in this case, seeking a rearage, it says that the statute is absolutely clear, which is a, uh, the remedy lies with the employer. So the employer is on the hook, is what they repeated. So, so this and court was buying uh, hook, line, and sinker what the father's attorney was saying. He basically quoted what the father's attorney was saying. Right, and then as a, as a little bit of a zinger that I noted here is that the the Court of Appeal said we agree with the lower court that the language of the Section 5241 is clear, but not in the way that the family court thought it was. So I thought that was a little bit of a zinger there yeah. because, I mean, it's plain language. It says contempt and criminal prosecution, and this lower court took that to mean essentially you can't, you can, you just can't come after someone if you didn't receive your support. So then we get into the discussion of the Court of Appeal, and what they, what they do here is they look at two things. They look at the plain language of the judgment, and then they look at the legislative history and the spirit behind it to figure out if the lower court properly interpreted this, this statute. And they found that the trial court was wrong. We see so many decisions where that's what the appellate court decision is. Now, let's, now let's actually look at the code and read the code. I've seen so many of those. In this case here, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's easier said than done. If, we, if you and I were on the bench, uh, we'd probably be making similar errors. But it just seems like so many of these judges aren't looking at the plain language. In reading this decision and also looking at this case and looking at the legislative history, um, I see that once upon a time, the, the case may have, excuse me, the statute may be read the way that the lower court was interpreting it, oh, okay. but it was later amended. So that just tells you the importance of keeping up with revisions in the statutes. It happens every January, and we have to be mindful of those, those tweaks in the law, and yeah. we can't we can't, you know, just sit on our hands and assume that we, we know everything. So Family Code 52... 5241 subsection A, an employer who willfully fails to withhold and forward support pursuant to a valid earnings assignment order called an, basically let's call it a wage garnishment, must pay the recipient of support the amount withheld plus interest. Okay? So that's subsection A and then subsection So, so that's a zinger against all the employers out there uh, who get served with these things. They've better comply with them. Right. You're going to be paying somebody else's child support, and that could be a hefty amount. Right. To your point, Don, there are a lot of businesses that, that are, you know, closely held businesses, mom-and-pop shops, and like you said, maybe an employee that's been there 20 years, very close, and there's kind of like a wink-wink situation where maybe it's not taken as seriously, but again, you know, this is an example of how mm -hmm. the importance of it, and again, we're talking about child support and the importance of child support um, and the public policy of that is the law is always going to favor the recipient of, uh, of child support to, to get the money, to get it easily, and is always going to protect um, that individual's right to collect the money. So subsection B indicates that 
the um, if the employer properly withholds support from the earnings the payer of support cannot be held in contempt or subject to criminal prosecution so and this is even if the recipient of support in this case the mother did not receive the money so now with that definition we can look at what was the mother in this case attempting to do she filed a motion to determine arrears and like i said it's she's not seeking to enforce money she's essentially seeking what we call declaratory relief or a declaratory judgment essentially judicial determination that you owe me money and you owe me x amount and it's not debatable anymore so i think it's important to get this relief so that you know as time goes on records disappear documents disappear harder to gather evidence so you have essentially a judgment and you can always collect or most times collect on that judgment so um, that's 5241. Interesting. I wonder if uh, there's some questions that I have about that. Uh, it, it, and before I, I state what my question would be, is just to restate what the court said here is, is that, um, look, you may not be held in contempt of court for your employer holding on to this, but that doesn't mean, mean that mom is uh, precluded from coming in and getting some declaratory relief, right? She gets to ask the court, how much does he owe me? And include interest here, by the way, too. So that interest that was accumulating for the non-payment, father is still liable for it. Um, you know, and maybe she can't go after him in contempt, maybe they can't be criminally prosecuted, but he's running a risk right there. Because what happens if the, the company goes bankrupt or something? Right, you know? and, and in this case, I think what the defense is saying is we don't owe you anything you know go after the employer so we owe you zero in fact mom mother you owe him some money because he overpaid you by the way so uh, go 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 after the employer is what they were saying and what so, was the what was the court of appeals argument about that because that's a good point is they said uh, this was what the father's attorney set up on appeal it would be double dipping what you're doing uh if you, if you enforce this thing you're allowing mom to get paid twice because it's conceivable that you'll get paid as a, uh, from the employer and from him because you're saying that he still owes this money. And what did the Court of Appeals say about that? The Court of Appeals said it's okay. We, you can double dip, but why? Because we're talking about child support. So, so the argument is, again, go back, go back to the employer and the double dip argument was said. And the, the Court of Appeal essentially said that is a penalty, a liability, a slap on the wrist to the employer who did not enforce this child support wage garnishment. So it's not child support, it's a penalty. It's a penalty. Yeah. So we didn't we don't I haven't seen a case and I didn't see that in fact the recipient or mother received the payment twice, but what this decision is saying is this is so important that we are willing to allow mother to receive payment from father and we're still we're still willing to allow her to or to to seek relief from the employer and punish that employer and seek interest so the double dip argument um didn't succeed here it, it wasn't considered a windfall for the mother it was considered a penalty and a liability for the employer so the employer gets a slap on the wrist if they don't comply that's cool. Now, I, I thought of a loophole, and I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways because I 
because I'm crazy. But I would say this is that here's a scenario that people could still use this statute to their advantage. The bad guys could use this. And I'm not encouraging this, and I will never counsel my clients to do this. But this is one thing that maybe the legislators need to work on. What happens if you got a guy that doesn't want to pay mom, right? He doesn't want to pay her, or he wants to make it as difficult as possible. So he colludes with his so-called employer, who happens to be Uncle Freddie, right? And he says, okay, take the money out of my paycheck, wink, wink, okay? Hold on to it. Don't pay her it. And the worst that could happen, now I'm absolved, man. They can't get me for contempt. There's no criminal prosecution. Yeah, there's going to be an accumulation of arrears, but I'm willing to pay that price to make her suffer. You know, uh, so when they come around to you, you know, we'll pay it, right? Because you, you know, it's because uh, wink, wink. You know, we'll pay the the interest, but neither one of us can be held in contempt. Hmm. So if I represented father in that scenario, I would be advising him that that was a bad idea for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's still liable for interest, right? Right. He's still liable for interest. Number two, he still may be on the hook for attorney fees. True. on the other side especially if it comes out to light that, that they had this collusion right and then number three by the way you know your uncle freddie's going to get in trouble because your uncle freddie is going to is going still liable for the entirety of the amount and could be interest. held in contempt too and interest and and that's another point <laughs> yes so so the the statute in the case says that if the employer doesn't comply the employer can be held in contempt of court so uncle freddie's going to be behind bars because he's helping his guy try to avoid support not a good idea not a good idea okay well i think that you know we've really covered this well and the what's the lesson of the day here follow the rules pay your child support um and child support never goes away and it's only going to grow because the interest is mounting yeah the law, the, the law is going to protect uh, uh obligors you know right. the, the people that receive money you could go after them and you shouldn't be intimidated by people that send threatening letters that you know and file these motions because uh, the public policy is as strong as what casey said i mean it's like they want children to be supported it's a strong public policy and the gamesmanship that uh, has been seen in these type of cases is going to going to really prevail you know so long as people pay attention to what they're doing right so the 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 law surrounding child support really is is framed in such a way to make it easier for the recipient to collect rather than harder so to tell to tell the recipient go collect from the employer is not going to work likewise if there are reimbursements the the law says you know pay pay them and if you have an issue with them you know for the payor if you have an issue with it you file a motion and you deal with it, with it in court but in the meantime make the payment Right. So that's what the law says. The law does not say, OK, withhold the payment and work it all out in court and then pay it once the judge decides. The law is actually flipped and framed in such a manner to obligate the payer of support to make the payment and have the burden to then go file a motion to get it all sorted out. Likewise, in this situation, um, it's all framed in a, in a manner that would allow the recipient to receive the money and not have to jump through multiple hurdles to go after an employer. Cool. Well, thank you very much. This was excellent. I think that uh, those who might have joined us and stuck around and listened to this entire presentation may have learned some valuable stuff. So thanks and uh, thank you. Uh, see you next time.